0: Hey everybody and welcome to Breaking Biotech. Thanks for being with me here today. My name is Matt Lepoire and if you like the show, you can help it out by clicking the like or subscribe button. You can also donate using the tip jar link in the description below. So got an awesome show for everyone today. We're going to touch on a number of pretty cool companies that had a bunch of updates in the last little while. So we're gonna start off talking about Trillium Therapeutics, a real favorite of mine. Follow that up with Gilead and their acquisition of Immunomedics. We're then going to talk about 89Bio, a catalyst that I totally overlooked this week. And then the last preliminary story is Cassava Sciences and their final data for their Alzheimer's trial. And then the main story today, we're gonna talk about a company called Cyclerion. And I think they've been overlooked a little bit. And there's two catalysts coming up that I think could really move the stock. And for that reason, I took a little position and I mentioned that on Friday in anticipation for some data that's coming up soon. So that's gonna be the show. And before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to give a couple of announcements. One is that if you want to hear me talk about Marathi Therapeutics, who has a really cool KRAS drug, uh, check out the WX Capital channel. I did an interview with Michael and Chi, and they've got a good thing going on over there. So that was really fun to, to be part of that. Uh, the other thing is that I want everybody's opinion on whether or not there's any interest in joining a Discord channel, specifically related to biotech, trading, things like that. I'm thinking about starting one, but I want to see if there's any interest out there from my general listenership. So send me an email at matthewlaporte@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I think what I would do is for the public might be like a $2 or $3 per month charge just to keep out kind of general trolls and spam and things like that, but that's the plan. So let me know what you think about that. And with that, let's just get right into the heart of the show. And the first thing I want to touch on is Trillium Therapeutics that has done wonderfully in the last year. They are now trading at about a 1.5 billion dollar market cap and this is due to the news that we heard maybe two weeks ago now and they gave an update on their two compounds which are anti-cd47 antibodies and they're looking specifically right now in the treatment of hematologic cancers more specifically though are non-hodgkin lymphomas the most important update they gave though was on their tti 622 And they did give an update on 621, but it was really just that the safety was okay for their 1.4 mg per kg dose group, and they're now escalating that to 2.0. But what we heard about 622 is that in their 8 mg per kg dose, there was a 3 out of 6 overall response rate, or 50%, by 8 weeks of treatment in 2 different cancers. One was cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, and and one other one, I think, was follicular lymphoma. So these are both indolent non-Hodgkin lymphomas. This is the best response we've seen at this dose for an anti-CD47 treatment. So lots of excitement around this. The stock shot up after the data was released and even went higher after the offering was done. So I'll get a little bit more into that as we go. But they're testing in not just indolent non-Hodgkin lymphoma, they're also doing uh, PTCL as well as DLBCL and those are more aggressive non-Hodgkin lymphomas. And I think they're also hoping to look at at other hematologic cancers. But seeing this 50% overall response rate this early is very positive for the stock, given that we've seen um, other anti-CD47 antibodies require a combination therapy in order to see any effect. And even the company that was acquired by Gilead, which was called 47, they only saw maybe one out of their entire patient population that had any kind of response as a monotherapy. And they were sold, I think, for a four or $5 billion valuation to Gilead. So a lot of excitement around Trillium. They have not seen any serious safety signals. And what that means is that they're still trying to find that maximally tolerated dose that would be used for future studies. And we're gonna expect to see an update in data in either late 2020 or early 2021. Uh, they've mentioned that they're going to put some abstracts in ASH which is December 5th to December 8th which the abstracts are probably going to be coming out before unless there's an embargo but we'll wait for the winner to to see that now one thing that somebody pointed out to me on Twitter is that they've added selected solid tumors to their clinical trial here and if we just assume that the latest completion date is when we'll see any of this data we're looking at around June 2021 so For my investment, I'm pretty happy to hold on to this given that there's such a positive effect here that if they do see an effect in solid tumors, we know that solid tumors have a way larger patient population than the hematologic cancers, so the potential for this drug to bring in significantly more revenue is still there. And I think it remains to be seen how that data will look, but I feel pretty good about that and I'm willing to hold for that reason. Another thing we heard is that Pfizer took a $25 million equity investment in the company, and we heard some people on Twitter speculate that Pfizer may have given them a buyout offer and Trillium instead rejected that. So instead, Pfizer made a deal with them that, hey, we'll do this $25 million investment so we can kind of look at the data and be a partner in in this way. So some people have been speculating about that, but I still think that Trillium is a buyout contender and it's gonna take them to bring in more data and then fully realize the value of their technology in order to get the appropriately valued buyout. So I'm holding more so for the previous reasons I gave, but the buyout would also be nice. And I mentioned the public offering already, but they offered 11.5 million shares at $13 per share for a total proceeds of around $149.5 million. Uh, I was kind of surprised at this raise, but you know companies now are just raising when they can not really when they need to and luckily here it didn't actually have a negative effect on the stock the stock I think closed on Friday at around $16 per share so looking pretty good very exciting about the company and uh, yeah I look forward to seeing more updates in December or early 2021. Let's move on to Gilead because this was an exciting event we finally saw some MA activity and we heard that Gilead acquired Immunemetics for $88 per share and Gilead valued at around $81.5 billion dollars, very big company, and they valued Immunomedics at $21 billion dollars, and this is around a 108% premium to their close on uh, September 11th. And really what this signals to everybody is, is that Gilead is trying to continue to break into the oncology space, and we've seen they've done a number of acquisitions in the last little while, One of the most notable ones is the Kite acquisition in 2017, and this was done for $11.9 billion, and they were obviously very far along in their clinical program. But the Q2 2020 revenue for Yaskarta, which is the Kite CAR-T therapy, was only $156 million. So they paid about $12 billion, and they still yet to come close to making that money up in the quarterly revenue of Yaskarta. Now, Yaskarta is only third line or higher, uh, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, but it seems like Gilead is committing more to get into the oncology space with their acquisition of Immunometics. And here, they could make a pretty big impact because we've seen the data from Immunometics, it's pretty strong for breast cancer as well as urothelial cancer, and their ADC platform, antibody drug conjugate platform, could really open up more potential And we've seen that Immunomedics has talked about non-small cell lung cancer, but really their technology is surrounding TROP2 overexpressing cancers. So with the resources like Gilead, they really could expand into a bunch of different indications and hope to really grow their oncology space. And I did mention in the last slide that they acquired a company called 47. So that's another cancer play as well. So they are trying to grow this space. And so after this news we saw the xbi actually increase substantially afterwards and we also saw that mirati therapeutics increased quite a bit we recorded that show mid last week when the stock was at like 130 in the 130s 140s and then i think it closed on friday at around 160 something so definitely missed our opportunity to buy mirati there and i didn't take a position but just kind of giving a follow-up update to our the mirati interview i did with wx capital Anyway, great to see, and congrats to all the Immunomedics holders. I know I've spoken to a few of you out there and I wish I hadn't sold, obviously, but uh, it's nice to see. So with that, let's get to 89Bio. And 89Bio is a NASH stock. They have a long-acting FGF21. And what we heard is that they announced positive top-line data from their Phase 1B2A trial of Bio 89100 in NASH. And their ticker symbol is ETNB. I think they're trading at around a $400 million market cap or so. I didn't put it in the slide here. But the outline of this trial, one thing that I noticed when I was reading it before starting the show is that it's subjects in biopsy-proven NASH. Now, this differentiates it from Viking therapeutics who only looked at non-alcoholic fatty liver disease patients. And we are still waiting for the Viking data to come out. But 89Bio started off with their phase 1b phase 2a in biopsy proven nash i assume they did histology to, to ensure that they did have biopsy proven nash but all that is to say it is in the more accurate patient population and what they looked at specifically is reductions in liver fat this was the primary endpoint and we saw that it had very good efficacy very comparable to acaro which has their own long-acting fgf21 And this is better than Magical Pharma's as well as Vikings, the thyroid receptor beta agonist, which I also like in the NASH space. One thing that I was surprised to see is that when I looked at the clinicaltrials.gov site, they had no histology as any kind of readout. So we're not going to see any histology data from these patients, which is unfortunate because that is likely to be incorporated into the phase 3 or phase 2b trial. And it would have been nice to see that they present full data that includes some kind of histologic readout showing effectiveness of the drug. It might be effective in a histological readout, I just would have liked to see it. And one benefit that Acaro and Madrigal have right now is that they both showed positive histology data. Now Viking has also looked histologically, but because it was only non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, I think that Acaro and Madrigal do stand out here, And that might be why 89Bio isn't garnering such a generous valuation. The next thing we saw is that there were improvements in ALT and AST, and these are serum markers of liver damage. We saw improvements in triglycerides, LDL-C mostly. There was one weird group that showed a bit of an increase in LDL-C or maybe no difference, but everything else was broadly nice. Improvements in HDL, as well as in insulin. So, the markers for cbd are looking good as well as the markers for type 2 diabetes they didn't do too many for type 2 diabetes but insulin itself um, showing an improvement is a good thing when it comes to side effects it looks like diarrhea headache and increased appetite were the most common treatment immersion adverse events and this is to contrast with acaro's drug that saw a lot of gi related side effects so in this instance 89 bio looks a little bit better but i don't know if that's going to move the needle too much I think if all the drugs end up being approved the one benefit that magical and viking are going to have is that they are oral once daily treatment whereas 89 bio and acaro are going to be injectables so obviously patients would much rather take an oral pill than be injected so we'll see how all of that plays out we saw that 89 bio soon after they released the data offered 3 million shares at a price of 28 dollars per share for a total proceed of around 85 million dollars I was surprised they priced it so low. The run-up of the stock into the data, I think it hit somewhere like 35, 36, and then after the data it went a little bit higher, but after this the stock dropped. I think it closed at around 25, 26 on Friday, which is exactly where I took my initial position. So very unfortunate for me, and in terms of upcoming catalysts, we're not really left with that much. They're initiating a phase 2b in the first half of 2021 as part of a potential phase 2b slash 3 trial, and they're going to have to have some interaction with the FDA in order to confirm whether that can be considered as a registrational trial or not. They're also looking at hypertriglyceridemic patients, and the top line data for that isn't going to come until the second half of 2021. So I'm left with around 20 shares that I could have sold at a nice profit, but because I just completely overlooked this and, and didn't notice it you take one day off the market and it'll burn you i'm left with basically no profit so i think i'm just going to sell here and wait for a new nash opportunity even though i have been holding on to magical and viking for so long now in terms of other companies that have upcoming catalysts acaro is starting their phase 2b phase 3 in the first half of 2021 ngm which has a different type of fgf molecule has top line data from their phase 2b trial in the first half of 2021. Viking, we could see some interim data. I'm thinking maybe early 2021. And then Madrigal has data coming in, I think, late 2021. There might be an interim endpoint, but we haven't gotten really clear guidance on that. So that's Nash right now. It's nice to see such positive data coming out. Would have liked to see the histology data, but it is what it is. And yeah, it makes sense that if you have a full-time job keep an eye on the market if you have positions because you could get burned like this and miss out on some gains so that's 89bio let's now move on to cassava sciences and i have gotten a lot of mixed response from my last touch on cassava i told everybody that i was going to stay on the sidelines but it made sense to me if you wanted to take a position given that there was so much potential upside but i did think that it was going to be a long shot that the data would just suddenly look good but Here's what we heard, that Cassava Sciences, ticker symbol SAVA, announced final results of a Phase IIb clinical study of sumifalam in patients with Alzheimer's disease. And here I'm going to quote exactly what they wrote on the slide. As previously reported in May of 2020, an outside lab conducted initial bioanalysis of the Phase IIb study. Biomarker data received from that lab made no sense. A post-hoc analysis showed significant data anomalies in patients who took the placebo for 28 days. The first bioanalysis showed no correlation in the placebo samples, R squared value of 0.06 on average. For those who don't know, this is a correlative value, and a very low R squared means that there's no correlation, a very high R squared means there is very high correlation. They go on. An academic lab conducted a second final bioanalysis of the phase 2b study. The academic lab showed proper biomarker data in patients who took placebo for 28 days. R squared equals 0.96 on average. So what we're left here with is data that did not make sense or was insignificant, that the company did not agree with, and also data that was reanalyzed by a different lab that showed exactly what the company wanted. We have to kind of take them at their word because we don't really have anything else. I would have liked to see a third analysis perhaps, and then that maybe would have confirmed one result or the other. They did not comment on what it was about the lab that may have led to the the crazy data they saw originally. They didn't comment on why they chose this specific academic lab to do the reanalysis. We're also left without them giving us too much insight into what went on. They said that there was high variability in the change between day 0 and day 28, even in the placebo group. Then they did this post-hoc analysis and they said just significant data anomalies and I would have liked to see what exactly were those anomalies. Seeing that the data just didn't correlate in the placebo group isn't necessarily an anomaly. So for all of these reasons, we're kind of left in the dark. But the stock rallied on the news. I'm surprised it didn't rally as much as it should have if investors really did believe in the data that Cassava was seeing here. It went from around three and change to, I believe, seven and closed maybe around seven or other high sixes. The data was that there were significant improvements in multiple Alzheimer's disease biomarkers, and they also also showed cognition data that showed a significant improvement. So across the board, very positive. If they had have shown this in May, I think the stock would have been a lot higher. But because of this suspicious data thing going on, I think people are a little bit weary. So like I mentioned, the stock closed around seven after the data was released. And then we heard that the CFO as well as a board member purchased a significant number of shares after the data release and this sent the stock rocketing to around 10, and I believe at the end of day on Friday it closed around 10, and this has kept the market cap above $200 million. And something that I've seen being passed around Twitter was that a new compensation package was announced by the company for certain officers, that if the company is able to maintain a market cap between, I think, $200 million and around $5 billion for 20 days straight, there's going to be a significant compensation that is given to certain people in the company. So, some people think that this is all kind of a manipulation going on for CFOs and board members to buy up the stock to keep it within that range so that certain people can get payouts. I don't really know if there's any truth to that, but I stayed entirely on the sidelines after I sold my position after the initial failure. And yeah, if I had held on, I obviously would have made quite a nice profit, but For me, all of this is gonna be settled in the phase three data. They're eventually going to have to launch that and probably raise money. They definitely don't have enough money to do it themselves right now. So whether they bring on a partner or whether they do more offerings remains to be seen. And it's gonna be interesting. I think if they aren't able to get a partner for this, it's going to be kind of telling about the data because for them to show the full data set to say a bigger player who wants to partner with them, I think they have their work cut out to impress upon them that this reanalysis of data is in fact true data we'll see what happens but it's uh, positive news for cassava and i wish them all the best i really do hope that this drug is in fact uh, doing something in patients so that patients have another option for alzheimer's disease because the treatments right now are so abysmal with that let's get to the feature story for today which is cyclerion therapeutics ticker symbol cycn they closed on Friday at $8.39 per share, giving them a market cap of around 280 million. Their Q2 net loss was 19.5 million, and this is a around a 30% improvement from Q2 2019. Their Q2 total current assets sit at around 59.6 million and their Q2 2020 total current liabilities sit at 15.6 million. So, not a ton of cash, considering that their net loss every quarter is around $20 bucks. Really only gives them until Q1 or Q2 of 2021, which leads me to think that they're going to raise as soon as their next catalyst, which I'm going to talk about, gets released. And they're targeting soluble guanylate cyclase in order to treat any kind of disease that has blood flow problems. The two that they're focusing on now is sickle cell disease with a compound called Siguat and then neurologic disease with a compound called IW6463. And they have to do a different compound for the neurologic disease because the molecule has to cross the blood brain barrier. So they may have done some modifications to it. Now, something to note here is that they have failed two phase two trials in 2019. One was for diabetic nephropathy and another one was for heart failure. And this was in a different compound, but similar mechanism and they were not able to see enough significant data in order to move on to phase three. So this is something that I think is perhaps artificially depressing the stock, perhaps appropriately so, because these effects of targeting guanylate cyclase might just not be sufficient to get the effect they need. So I'll touch on that in just a bit. But to talk first about this SGC molecule, it's an enzyme involved in the nitric oxide pathway, and this pathway is critical for vasodilation or vasoconstriction we've seen huge successes in the blood pressure arena as well as the erectile dysfunction arena that if you can manipulate the nitric oxide pathway in some capacity in the cases that i've just mentioned this is with phosphodiesterase inhibition you can get really profound effects clinically so i think the pathway itself is a valid option Whether it works for sickle cell disease or neurologic disease is the risk that we're taking here. So SGC is the only known receptor to nitric oxide, but what Cyclerion is trying to do is target it pharmacologically. And what this does is artificially, well, artificially increases cyclic GMP. And what this does is it activates PKG to increase intracellular calcium which then promotes vasodilation through the interaction of myosin and actin. None of this is super relevant. The point is though you treat these molecules that cyclerion has to people in the right way, it'll increase cyclic GMP and this will lead to vasodilation and improve blood flow. So there's two things that cyclerion are focusing on right now and both catalysts seem to fall pretty close together. The first one that they're looking at is sickle cell disease. And now, I've touched on sickle cell disease a while ago. I talked about Bluebird, and I talked about Global Blood Therapeutics with their two different molecules or two different treatments in order to improve sickle cell disease. But just to give a bit of background, there's around 100,000 patients in the USA, and it's a semi-competitive market, but nothing has come out as an all-out cure. So there's definitely room for more therapies, but they're going to be competing against other therapies. The main one that's used to treat right now is called hydroxyurea. Voxolitor is Global Blood's drug, and it was recently approved, so the Global Blood is ramping up the commercialization of this drug. And then Bluebird has some gene therapies that are arriving, and that could also play a role in how well Cyclean is actually able to commercialize this. But what we've seen so far is only preclinical data, which only adds to the risk here of this play. But Cyclerion showed that in a mouse treated with TNF-alpha, which is inducing some kind of sickle cell disease uh, pathology, the treatment of Oling Siguat improved the red blood cell count, total hemoglobin, as well as the hematocrit, which are metrics that can be used as surrogates for uh, issues of sickle cell disease, and they've also showed improvements in fetal hemoglobin, and this has been shown to improve sickle cell disease. So, like I mentioned, this is gonna be a bit of a risky play because we've only seen preclinical data, but I think because it's a phase two, if they see positive data, I could see the stock rally quite a bit on this news. And if we look at the pricing of Voxolitor, I could see Cyclerion seeking a similar pricing for their drug, depending on the efficacy, depending on the side effects, of course. But Voxolitor is priced at $10,000 per month. So if we do the math, if Oling Cigouac can garner, say, a 25% market share, we're looking at around maybe a $3 billion drug of the max revenue they can achieve. So there's real potential here, I think, for Cyclerion if they can see positive data in the Phase 2 and obviously in a Phase 3. But for us right now, I think that if they saw a positive result here, and I think there's a chance of it happening, we could see the stock significantly rally. So this is the first catalyst that I think the stock is worth investing in. Secondly, they're looking at neurodegenerative diseases and the two that they're going to be focusing on, even though the catalyst isn't specifically related to this, is mitochondrial encephalomyopathy, lactic acidosis, and stroke-like episodes, or the abbreviation is MILAS. There's estimated to be around 82,000 patients in the USA. Now, the indication that I think would be the most impressive, though, is with Alzheimer's disease with vascular pathology. And Alzheimer's disease, as we know, is complicated we don't really know how it happens but we know what happens when people have it if that makes sense so one of the things that happens along with alzheimer's disease is poor blood flow there seems to be vascular issues in alzheimer's disease patients and there also happens to be a decrease in nitric oxide cyclic gmp signaling so what i think the potential here is with cyclerion is that with their molecule iw6463 is that it'll improve blood flow through its normal mechanism of promoting vasodilation, but it's also going to have an effect by directly signaling through the cyclic GMP nitric oxide pathway. And in this way, I think you'll get a dual action to some capacity, even though they both interact with each other. But I think for patients that have a vascular pathology with their Alzheimer's disease, there could be real potential here. The relevance also for the stock itself is that there's an estimated 2 million patients in the USA, so there's a huge patient population that could be treated with this drug, and if we even use the pricing similar to what Voxolator is priced at, even though it's different, could garner a significant amount of revenue for the company and thus increase the stock. Now, the catalyst that we have coming up is Phase 1b data, and what we saw earlier in the year was Phase 1 data, and I wasn't able to actually look at the slides themselves, but here's the description of what the company said. It was well-tolerated across all the tested dose levels. The most common adverse event in the active treatment group was headache, nausea, dizziness, solumnescence, and fatigue. All of these were mild and there were no serious adverse events. This is good. There was a reduction in blood pressure, but you would expect this for a stimulator of soluble guanolate cyclase, given that it promotes vasodilation. So I think for patients that lowering blood pressure isn't some kind of risk to them if they're on some other kind of drug, Uh, I think this could be a real option for them, assuming there's efficacy. Now, the PK data, so the pharmacokinetics in terms of how long the drug sticks around, how much drug stays in the blood system, they looked at at the cerebrospinal fluid and they demonstrate nice penetration of IW6463 into the central nervous system of patients at expected levels for it to be pharmacologically active. So, not only do you see a reduction in blood pressure, which I assume means that there's systemic effects going on, but they're showing or they're telling us that they expect it to be pharmacologically active in the CNS. I think this remains to be seen, but in the phase 1b data, we're likely to see if that's true. So what they then say is that these data, along with the plasma PK level, support development of IW6463 as a once daily orally administered therapeutic. So I think there is potential here. Obviously it's a high risk play, given that we've only seen failures in phase two data with this company, but I think that we have two shots at seeing a success. So to give more details on the catalysts themselves, the sickle cell disease phase two, they're looking at 70 patients across various sickle cell disease genotypes. It's a 12-week treatment of four different doses, and they're specifically looking at PK, tolerability, biomarkers, and efficacy from an ePRO system, which is something that Global Blood did as well. It's a personalized system to measure outcomes. We're expecting these results in September of 2020 and the company's already been meeting with I think H.C. Wainwright so we should be seeing this in the next week or two. The other catalyst is on the CNS side and this is a phase 1b trial and they're looking at 24 elderly patients. They're going to be looking at PK, safety, and target engagement. Target engagement to me here is key. We want to make sure that the compound IW6463 is able to cross the blood brain barrier and specifically hit the SGC in the brain in order to have an effect. We're not really looking at efficacy so much here, but I think if they see a positive effect, it could be a booster for the stock as well. They wrote in their corporate presentation that results are expected in late summer of 2020, so I think we could be seeing a, an update pretty soon. They are planning to launch a 2A trial in MILAS in Q3 of 2020, so that I believe is, is on its way. And then they're also gonna be doing a phase 2A CNS trial starting in the first half of 2021. And now I mentioned their cash position is pretty light. They only have enough cash until early 2021. So for this reason, I think that I'm going to be selling almost immediately after the date is released. My verdict is I'm gonna take a small position at $8.60. I bought around 100 shares. If both trials succeed, I expect the stock to go around 2025. Failure would likely see the stock go down to two. But again, we could see one trial succeed, one trial fail, could be a wash. So I'm going to be closely watching this one and hope to make a profit. But I do plan on selling after the data release because I do expect them to raise just after. And that's Cyclarion. So for the next couple weeks, uh, everything is going to be political. We should be seeing some debates between the two candidates, and that should be very interesting to see. We also saw pretty recently that Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. So the temperature is really heating up in the country when it comes to the political situation. We may see more riots, more civil unrest, given that the Republicans are committed to pushing a candidate to vote. And obviously there's a lot of people on the other side of the aisle that aren't happy with that. So remains to be seen. But I think that The uncertainty in the market we've seen recently is due to the political situation that's escalating. Um, We've also seen that tech has been a real driver of the stock market. And with a slight breather in tech, they've sold off a bit. We see the stock market follow with it. Now the XBI was boosted quite a bit from that Immunomedics acquisition. We'll see how long the XBI is able to hold on, or maybe we'll see more M&A. That would be also awesome. So for a quick portfolio wrap up, I wanted to mention that I sold all my Ameren stock. I mentioned that on Twitter. Very disappointing. I uh, lost. Uh, my loss was 76%, very unfortunate. Trillium has largely made up for the gains that I've seen this year. I've also seen nice increases in TGTX and some of the other companies I'm not gonna touch on, but Q4 is going to be very awesome. There's gonna be a lot of readouts there and it should be very interesting to see what happens. I also put my position here. I bought 100 shares of Cyclerion at $8.60, and I don't, expect this, I don't expect to hold this very long. And then here's my 89 buyout position, back down to 25 and 53 cents, so I'm about even, and I think I'm just gonna sell this next week and use that money for something else. Overall, I am finally flat for the year. It's taken nine months for me to go from very low to flat. It's kind of unfortunate, but I do think Q4 is going to be great for me. And then, yeah, overall, we saw the XBI and the IBB rally in the last couple of weeks with a large decrease in the NASDAQ, the SPX, as well as the, the Dow Jones. So conversely, we've seen that volatility has kind of lowered in the XBI and the IBB, whereas it's shot up in all of the other indices. So we'll see what happens in the next little while, but it's nice to see the XBI and the IBB continue to rally. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, I want to thank everybody for your support. Love all the emails and the engagement on Twitter. Let me know what you think about this Discord channel. If you'd be willing to pay two, three bucks a month to join. Uh, I plan on inviting everybody who's donated to the show so far to join for free. But if you want to pay a couple bucks a month to join, uh, let me know what you think. I think how I'm going to do it is through Patreon. So I might start a Patreon and give people a bunch of options if they want me to review a stock. They can... Pay the fee on Patreon, and then I'll take a look at it. And then if you want to pay significantly less, but just join the Discord, you could do that as well. So that's what I'm thinking. Let me know what you think. Also, go check out my interview on WX Capital's channel where I talk about Mirati. That should be a huge event in October, so definitely keep an eye on it. I wish I had taken a position when I did the interview, and I'd miss out on a bunch of gains since the stock is trading so much higher now. But it is what it is. With that, I'm going to wrap there. So thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next time.